Hi everyone, you're listening to The Lip, I'm Megan McChesney, and first up I want to say a huge thanks to everyone who responded so positively to last month's episode. It was a special kind of awesome to get such great support and feedback, so thanks heaps to everyone who listened, and thanks too to everyone who left ratings and reviews on iTunes, and left messages on Facebook. Plus, an extra big thanks to the people at the new current affairs and culture website Noted, who loved it so much they've given the lip a new home. So now you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, our own website, which is thelippodcast.kiwi, and also on noted.co.nz. Exciting times. Now, I've got a double banger for you this month. Two very different stories about two people dealing with the tough things in life in, well, extremely unusual ways. Instead of running both of these stories together in the same episode, I've released them as separate episodes, both available at the same time. So once you've finished listening to this story, you can move right on to episode three. But first up, here's ep two, which is called The Butterfly Effect. get very excited when he would see me coming in the morning and he'd start fluttering his wings as quickly as he could but you know obviously he wasn't going anywhere. Who is this Fluffy? A pet budgie perhaps? No. A canary? No. Um okay a freshly hatched chicken? No 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 no. This is Tracy Pepper and the Fluffy she's telling us about was in fact. He was a butterfly. Fluffy was a butterfly, a very special monarch butterfly, and this story is about Tracy and Fluffy, and how Fluffy became a metaphor for life. Having Fluffy was quite an unexpected way for me to understand myself. Okay, so it's a bit intriguing, isn't it? How could an insect, something that us humans for the most part write off as pretty much unable to be communicated with, how could an insect possibly have an effect on an emotional level? I mean, really? Well, first let's go back to Tracy's childhood. She grew up in a small town in Ontario, Canada. She was born with ovarian cancer, but it wasn't discovered until she was 10 years old. I had the symptoms from a very, very young age. I would have a few bites of food and I would be full. And they thought that I was just fussy. I had a really distended belly and my brothers and sisters used to tease me and tell me that I was getting fat. And I had stomach aches all the time, but the doctors just thought I needed more attention because I was the youngest of five children. It wasn't until I was in fifth grade and we were in the classroom and I couldn't stand up. I couldn't get out of my desk. I was doubled over with pain. That's when they discovered that there was a large mass in my abdomen. They removed a five pound, 2.2 kg tumor. It was the size of a rugby ball. My prognosis was very poor. There was evidence that it had spread and it was in my lymph nodes and they didn't expect me to survive the week. My mom immediately went to the hospital library to do some research and she found a a clinical trial that was being offered, but it wasn't offered to children. So she asked the doctors and they thought it was risky, but it was worth a try. It was a six month trial and 
at the end of the trial, my body was not responding to the chemo. I still had high alpha theta protein levels, which indicated that the cancer was still present and um, it had spread. So they sent me home to die. And uh, that's really when the miracle happened. The year that I was born, my dad planted this rose bush outside of my bedroom window. And the thing had never blossomed. It didn't produce one single rose. My mom went to the window where the rose bush was and on it was a single bloom. She just saw it as a sign. So she cut the rose and I was in a cancer coma for three days. She barely could tell if I was breathing. She'd have to check with the mirror to see if I was still breathing. And she put the rose beside the bed. At that moment, something just said, wake up. And I think I was ready to let go. I was really ready to just let go and die, but something prompted me to, to wake up. And so I did. And I saw my mom putting the rose beside the bed and I asked her if she could make me some broccoli. I really was craving broccoli and rice. And she knew right then and there, she knew that I was going to be okay. The doctors said it was a miracle. They didn't have any answers. They couldn't, they couldn't um, explain what had happened or why that happened. Tracy didn't get away scot-free from her brush with cancer. In her mid-twenties, she was told the chemo she'd received as a child had resulted in long-term damage to her body. Basically, my organs are just old. They've aged rapidly. When I was in my mid-twenties, I had the organs of somebody in their mid-fifties. So that was when my childhood oncologist, we were very close, and I was scared, and I asked him what I should do. And he, you know, he looked at me and he said, if you were my daughter, I would just tell you to live your life to the fullest because you may not have a very long one. By then, Tracy had already started to travel. She stepped it up, deciding to see as much of the world as she could. She also hadn't given up on the dream of one day having a family of her own. She still had one ovary. In 2003, she booked a three-month holiday in Australia and New Zealand. She fell in love with New Zealand. When I was 16 years old, I had this dream. I wanted to live on an island where it never snowed, but I could drive to go to the mountain to ski. And I didn't think a place like that existed until I came to New Zealand. And, and so, of course, I just knew. I just knew that this was it. And so on that blind faith, I went back to Canada and I sold everything I owned for, you know, the cost of a ticket back. And I got my cat, got him his, all of his shots. And, you know, about nine months later, the cat and I were on a plane coming to New Zealand for a whole new life. Tracy lived in a few small towns before settling in Mount Monganui. She set up her therapeutic massage business called Magic Hands. And here, as we're in a perfect world, you'd be told that life took on a golden glow. Nothing bad ever happened to her again. But, well, you know, three years after her move... I was diagnosed with another ovarian tumour. And so at that time, I was 32. It was only stage one, so it didn't require chemotherapy. It just needed to be removed. I, you know, you just don't muck around when, when, when you're dealing with ovarian cancer or, 
And so I opted to have a radical hysterectomy and just have everything taken out. It was a huge loss. I, I cried for months. I needed to grieve. I really wanted children. You know, I have two older sisters and both of them have chosen not to have children. And I was the one that wanted children and I couldn't have them. So it was really unfair. It was hard. Dealing with all of that would be enough to depress anyone. But the truth is, Tracy had been dealing with bouts of depression and anxiety all her life. Depression and anxiety are, are um, another long-term side effect of the chemotherapy. It's been something I've struggled with my whole life and it's a big part of who I am. But I don't, I don't like going on um, antidepressants. I try to maintain my depression with exercise and a good diet and, um, you know, being surrounding myself with positive people. There are times I just feel like I'm on top of the world and I can do anything and I'm invincible and I can climb mountains and I can, you know, I, you know, do anything. And then there are times where I just can't even get out of bed. It was during one of Tracy's down periods that Fluffy blew into town. When I found Fluffy, I was just feeling very lost myself. And I was um, feeling pretty, pretty low. I was out in the garden and I saw this, this caterpillar, this really fat caterpillar lying in the dirt. And I thought, he's going to be bird food. And a couple of days later, I um, went out and he was gone. And then I noticed there was a very short shrub very close to where that caterpillar was. And I saw a chrysalis there. And I thought, oh, good, he made it. He made it. He must have been looking for a place to make his, his chrysalis. And then a few weeks later, Fluffy had become this beautiful butterfly. But again, he just didn't seem very happy. But I just thought he needed some time to dry his wings, so I left him for a few days. But I kept checking on him. And then we had a very windy, windy day, and I went out to check on him, and, and the poor guy was just blowing around in the wind on the concrete, and he couldn't fly. And so I picked him up, and I brought him inside. I had just cut some fresh sunflowers from my garden, so I placed him on a sunflower, and he was so hungry, he just started to greedily eat the nectar from the sunflowers. I was just watching him, and I could tell he couldn't fly. I tried to put him on my finger and let him fly away, but he would just fall down onto the carpet. So I knew he couldn't fly, but it there was no obvious evidence. His wings were perfect, and he seemed perfect. I, so I just decided that I would care for him, and I would look after him, and I would keep feeding him um, until he could fly. Tracy did some monarch butterfly research, and she could tell from the two black dots on his rear wings that Fluffy was a bloke. He just had this really cute, fluffy head. And I just found myself calling him Fluffy. I mean, if I had known he was going to be such a famous butterfly, I think I would have thought of a, a much cleverer name. She also found out what Fluffy liked to eat. I made up a, a concoction that he seemed to really enjoy. I had some apple syrup and I added a little extra sugar. He would eat that a few times a day. I would hold him on my on one hand and I'd hold the dish with another hand. And then he would unfurl his his tongue, he would perch his two front feet over the edge of the bowl and lap up the nectar. It seems kind of strange to be saying this about an insect, and even Tracy agrees. 
Are you sort of just think an insect is just a stupid creature that um, doesn't think or have any... Tracy kind of trailed off there. Was she going to say feelings? Well, it soon became clear that Fluffy did have his own distinct personality. And not just that, he seemed to be fully aware that Tracy was a significant other in his life. At night, he slept amongst the cut flowers on the kitchen bench. I always had fresh flowers in the house and I always had um, a selection of flowers for Fluffy. So he would, um, he would choose which flower he wanted to be on for the night. And um, when he would go to sleep, he would just fold his wings together. He'd get very excited when he would see me coming in the morning and he'd start fluttering his wings as quickly as he could. But, you know, obviously he wasn't going anywhere. So I'd put him on my finger and I, I honestly, I, I'm sure I sound and I looked like a crazy person. So he would be on my finger and I would be, ra I'd raise my hand up and down and he would flutter his wings. So he felt like he was flying. Luckily, I work from home, so I was able to, I, I would do my massages with him on my head. I have these um, flower hair clips, and he used to just perch himself on one of those and sleep all day, which was really cute. But he needed exercise to keep him strong, so he used to climb my arm and um, up my neck and then up into my hair and then perch himself on the flower, and he'd do that many times a day. Fluffy never did fly, but Tracy says he lifted her out of the low patch she was experiencing at the time. Fluffy and I had a lot of similarities. I mean, he was making the best of his life with what he had. I also thought in an insect's life, their purpose in life is to procreate. And that's it. You usually you, you procreate and then and then they die. But Fluffy wasn't going to have that purpose. He was never going to be able to, to procreate. And so what is the purpose of his life? And I thought about that with myself. You know, I, I can't have children, but um, that doesn't mean that my life is completely worthless. And, and there's so much happiness that I can bring to other people in the work that I've done. And um, we're not all meant to be the same. I've had people tell me that I couldn't possibly know what love is because I've never had a child. You know, I've had, I've had people judge me because I, I don't have children and they don't know my story and they think, well, you're very selfish. Why wouldn't you have children? And I've dealt with a lot of judgments from people who just don't have the, the empathy or compassion to understand that there are different purposes in life. And I think when I, when I had Fluffy and when I was looking after Fluffy, he really healed that in me. I, I really took all of that judgment to heart. You know, that's probably one of the reasons why, I, you know, sometimes I do get depressed because I just think, why couldn't I have just been normal? But if Fluffy was a normal butterfly, he, we wouldn't have this story. When Tracy mentioned earlier that Fluffy became famous, she meant internet famous. He was a hit on Instagram and Facebook. He was a real sensation. People were coming over just to meet this butterfly and have him walk on their head. I had a few people say if they hadn't have seen it with their own eyes, they would never would have believed it. You know, they this butterfly had such a personality. He got excited when he saw people and um, yeah, he was a real character. A monarch butterfly's lifespan is between two and six weeks. Tracy knew Fluffy wasn't going to be parking his slippers under her flower vase forever. And when he was about 14 days old, I noticed that 
Um, it started getting harder and harder for him to walk. He was also having a harder time um, balancing himself. He would topple off of my head uh, often. Um, one time I was doing a massage and he was on my head and then the next thing I knew I couldn't find him. We didn't know where he was and my my poor client panicked because she thought maybe she was lying on him. But it turns out he was just under the massage table. He started just getting slower and slower <laughs> and um, a little bit clumsy and awkward. And then the night that he that he died, uh, he was, you know, he was just he was fluttering quite a lot. It was kind of like he was spasming. And so I took him and I placed him on my chest so that, you know, he had somewhere where he could just flutter away and he wouldn't fall. And this went on for hours. It was, it was like three o'clock in the morning, I think. And I thought, oh, I've got to go to bed. I can't stay up. I perched him on some flowers and then I went to bed and the next morning he had gone. I placed him in a, in a box and I put him in the freezer because I knew that I wanted to preserve him. And then I shared it on Facebook and there was quite a lot of, of um, very sad condolences after he had passed away. But you know, I, I guess, I wasn't that upset because I knew that his life wasn't going to be very long. These days, Fluffy's home is a frame on Tracy's mantelpiece. He was the butterfly who reminded Tracy to do what her oncologist had told her all those years ago, to live life to the fullest, because her life might not be a long life. Having Fluffy taught me a lot, actually. He was, uh, he was a great metaphor. We, we get so worked up over life and, and death, but you know, we're all here just for a limited time. So we might as well enjoy it while we have it. Fluffy um, helped me just as much as I helped him. Tracy was so inspired by Fluffy, she's writing a children's book, so her pet butterfly can go on inspiring people for years to come. You can find pictures to go with Tracy's story on our website, thelippodcast.kiwi. Don't forget, episode 3 is also uploaded and ready to be listened to right now. You can find it on the website, on iTunes, Stitcher, and also at noted.co.nz. And if you want to support The Lip, you can do so by going into iTunes and leaving a review, liking us on Facebook, or following us on Twitter. Thanks so much for listening. See you soon.